Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And uh, we're in our series we've just called uh, A Beautiful Mess, and it's a journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. And and listen, the title for today's message, okay, is this, um, uh, a gift for you that's not really for you. A gift for you that's not really for you. Right. And so uh, um, I want to share just a, a brief story. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you have heard of uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Man, he's called the Prince, uh, the Prince of Preachers. He was actually uh, back in the 1800s uh, in England. He was like the first megachurch pastor. Right. And um, and so uh, I, I want to read for you a, a story uh, that he told to his congregation way back in the day. And he says this Spurgeon says, once upon a time, there was a king who ruled over everything in the land. And one day there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. He took it to the king and said, my Lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown or ever will grow. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. The king was touched and discerned the man's heart. So as he he turned to go, the king said, wait, you are clearly a good steward of the earth. I want to give you a plot of land to you freely as a gift so you can garden, garden it all. The gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But there was a nobleman at the king's court who overheard all this and he said, my, if that is what you get for a carrot, what if you gave the king something better? The next day, the nobleman came before the king and he was leading a handsome black stallion. He bowed low and said, my Lord, I breed horses and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred or ever will. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned his heart and said, thank you and took the horse and simply dismissed him. The nobleman was perplexed, so the king said, let me explain. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Did you get that? See, it it was a gift for you, but not really for you, right? And uh, um, listen, my wife has been guilty of this recently, okay? Now, my, my wife, Susan, she is like her love language is gift giving. She's amazing at it, except for this. So uh, the last three Christmases, uh, she's uh, bought me the same pair of shoes, and I've returned them every time. Uh, there's these little, like tan, I think she called them booties. For the record, if, I, if you buy me shoes, they, they're called booties. That ain't happening, all right? Um, and so, and so I, I just keep sending them back. Why? You know what? She was buying me a gift that was really for her because she wanted to see me in the boots, right? And so uh, that's kind of where we're headed today as we're uh, looking at our, our series through the book of 1 Corinthians because we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and they're actually a gift given to you, but they're not for you, right? And so uh, um, here's something I like. I am always amazed at the propensity of the sinful human heart to take like simple, common graces from God 
and then using them uh, as a source of pride or to prop yourself up over other people. And listen, we do it all the time, right? Um, so, so take, for example, like shoes. Shoes are designed to just keep our, our feet safe, right, and protected uh, and maybe maybe warm, okay? And so, uh, uh, but what have we done? We've made them into status symbols. Like, like I can remember back, like, growing up, you know, uh, my, my, my dad, he took great care of us, but, you know, there's, sometimes we had to skimp here and there on some stuff and, and the, the big uh, in-style shoes were Adidas, right? They had three stripes on them. Well, I couldn't get the Adidas ones, right? I, I got uh, just a, whatever the, the, the Kmart like knockoff ones. They had four stripes on them. And suddenly, because I had one more stripe on my shoe, you know, suddenly I was I was a castaway and a cast off, right? Uh, we, we do it all the time. The, the other one, maybe you'll recall this one, uh, still a little bit of scar tissue over this. Um, do you remember back in my day, like polo shirts? were the thing and they had like a little Ralph Lauren polo player here um, well, we couldn't quite afford that one so so we got the uh, Knights of the Round Table do you remember this one it was like from Marshalls or something like that and and it wasn't actually a polo player but it was a knight but if you got too close you could tell hey man that's not a polo one and and once again man we're, we're using these ridiculous things that God meant us clothing to keep us warm and to protect us and what we're using them as a source of pride and arrogance um, and if I I haven't hit you yet. Here's another one. How about our homes? Like common grace from God that we have a, a roof over our head and keep us warm from the cold and keep us cool in the summertime, right? And and so it's just a common grace from God. And what what we've made them status symbols, haven't we? Man, like like you just hear people are like, hey man, um, oh, you don't have any shiplap in your house? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Right. And now we feel like second class citizens because we don't have shiplap Jojo. Okay. And uh, so, and, and I've even seen us recently, more recently, we reverse it now. And so now it's not because, you know, you have this, this enormous house. Now what they'll do is we'll, we'll play, we'll feel morally superior and we'll get a tiny house off the grid. And if you see someone like in a normal sized house in a neighborhood, you're like, Hey man, why, why do you hate people and you're destroying the environment, right? And so see, common graces, we use them for pride and arrogance. And you know what you're going to see today? That, 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 that uh, the church at Corinth was using something like spiritual gifts and they were getting perverted uh, into a source of pride. And it was creating divisions in the church. And listen, we're all prone to doing this. Um, you know, the, the very uh, disciples uh, were prone to it. Do you remember in, in um, uh, actually Jesus in Luke chapter 10, he sends out uh, 72 disciples to go heal the sick, uh, cast out demons and proclaim the kingdom of God is here. Right. But but they came back. And do you notice what they said? It says this in verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the, all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, he's, Jesus is like, hey man, I saw Satan get filled with pride and he got cast out of heaven. Don't get full of yourself and your spiritual gifts. Keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's your relationship with Jesus. Um, it even happened to the 12. 
If you remember um, uh, in Matthew 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain of transfiguration. And so they, they go, well, in the meantime, the other nine disciples uh, are down at the bottom of the mountain and they're trying to cast this demon out of this poor epileptic uh, boy, right? And so that it's, nothing's working. They can't do it. Finally, Jesus comes down. Hey, cast the demon out. Uh, but but do you see what happens immediately in the next chapter in Matthew 18? Do you know what the disciples are arguing about? Which one is the greatest? <laughs> uh, like, like Peter, James, and John, they're like, oh, we see you fools couldn't cast that demon out, huh? Well, we were up in the mountain transfiguration, blah, 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 right? And so they're taking these spiritual giftings and what they're perverting them and using them as a source of pride. And so um, today we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to beat this drum. Man, the gifts are given to you, but they're not for you. They're for the body and for the world. And, and get this, um, the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit are not to make much of us, but to make much of Almighty God. And so that's where we're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Uh, this should be a blast. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting uh, in verse 1. Paul says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, and however you were led. And therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, in, in studying for this this week, I don't know why, but it just jumped out at me that, that Paul says, hey, um, he's kind of laying it out. When you were pagans, you were worshiping mute idols. And now you get, uh, man, a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit. Like, like, like that idea of mute idols. It's as if Paul's saying, hey, uh, um, listen, those mute idols, they were like, you, you get to be, you were like Tom Hanks in Castaway, right? Talking to a volleyball, Wilson, Wilson, right? And so that's what your life was before. But now, man, through the cross of Christ, we get the gift, this dynamic walk and relationship uh, with the Holy Spirit. And, and I promise you this, man, I got to giggle in this week as, as I was thinking about it. Man, we are just so blessed as New Testament believers on the other side of the cross of Christ. Like you get the Holy Spirit, man. Like if, if I'm Moses or David or any of the Old Testament saints, I'm a little bitter. I, I'm a bit upset. I feel like I got gypped a little bit. And so I, I'd like to illustrate, you know, um, for those of you that, that were kind of around in, in the 70s and 80s, you knew it was a different time, right? We didn't have cell phones and that. And so do you remember if you're out and about and you needed to make a call, what did you have to do? You had to find a payphone, like it was a thing, man. And so you have to find a payphone on the street. Uh, and then uh, by the grace of God, hopefully you had a coin, like a quarter or something that you could make a call, uh, okay? And if you didn't have a quarter, man, what did you have to do? You had to like dial zero and just hope that you get the operator and then you had to do what was called a collect call. <laughs> do you guys remember collect calls, right? And so, uh, and then here's what else. Uh, now this is being shocking to some some of our, our uh, viewers here this morning, do you know you used to have to remember telephone numbers? <laughs> like they weren't just on speed dial and whatnot. Like you had to actually remember the numbers. And if you didn't, they had this enormous book. It was the size of five Bibles. It was called a phone book. <laughs> and then you had to know how to spell the individual's name and hopefully by the grace of God, uh, locate that number. 
and then you would proceed to dial the phone, dial the number, right? How many remember the rotary phone, right? And so, so you're waiting to dial the call, and then after going through all this process, you just pray to God, you don't get a busy signal. <laughs> like, in some of you, you don't even know what a busy signal is. You're like, didn't it just go to voicemail? No, because there was no such thing as voicemail uh, at that time, right? And so I, I sell that just to see, see how spoiled we are right now. And, and I would submit to you, man, man, uh, man th- do you know, like in your Old Testament, that, that in order to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, man, that, that they, they would have to have all these ceremonial washings and sacrifices. And, and one guy, the high priest, could enter into the present one time a year. And so once again, if I'm Moses, I'm like, the Holy Spirit dwells where? What? He's inside of you. Right? And, and once again, if I'm Moses or David, I feel like they, I got ripped off a little bit. And that's how blessed we are. That we are, we have, if you're a Christian this morning, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. Paul would say it this way, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, here's a, a just a little refresher course. We, we've uh, said this previously, but um, just kind of like the three, three activities of the Holy Spirit in your salvation and sanctification. And uh, I always like to remember these three simple words, with, in, and upon, with, in and upon. And so, so the Holy Spirit is with you uh, prior to your salvation. Um, in fact, John 16, Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so the Spirit, he arrests and convicts our heart. In fact, I'm, I'm reminded of the story of C.S. Lewis. Like, do you know, he was a staunch atheist, right? And so, uh, but but all these, these testimonies and these witnesses were all around him and they were bombarding um, um, Lewis's spirit until then the Holy Spirit moved in. He would call the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. And, and on a trip uh, from his home to the zoo, the spirit wrestled him down. And he says, when I arrived at the zoo, I was the most reluctant uh, convert in all of England. See, it was, the Holy Spirit was with you. He's convincing and convicting and arresting you uh, of sin. And then the Holy Spirit is in you at salvation. Like when you become born again in a Christian, uh, in a Christian, the, the Holy Spirit, he seals you on the inside. Let me read to you uh, Ephesians 1 verses uh, 13 and 14 says this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so, you know, as a pastor, I have to do weddings. I don't always enjoy doing wedding uh, unless um, it's a, it's a uh, destination wedding at, a, at an exotic place. Then, then I love doing weddings. And if I did your wedding, I actually love doing your wedding, though. <laughs> but at weddings, you know, I'll take the, the wedding ring and I'll point it out that, that a ring, it's a seal. It's a sign uh, of, of the, the unending love between the two of you. And in the same way, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's a sign that God's saying, hey, uh, I'm, uh, you are mine and I am yours, right? And so, uh, and so he's with, in, and then lastly, he's upon. And that's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That God, the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you with power to live a dynamic 
Christian life. Uh, it says this in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power, and that word power in the Greek, it's the word dunamis, it's where we get dynamite or dynamic. See, God wants you to live a dynamic, Holy Spirit-filled life. And he says this, uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth, with, in, and upon. Let's get back to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's look at verses 4 through 6. Paul says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And so, uh, did you catch that rhythm? Like Paul's like, hey, there's varieties, but they're the same. Varieties, but the same. Varieties, but the same. He's beating this drum home because what would happen is there were different gifts, and then they were dividing and, and, and ripping apart the church over these different gifts, right? Creating schisms and, and whatnot. And so Paul's saying, hey, there's a variety of gifts of the Holy Spirit, but guess what? It's the same Spirit. And I don't know if you caught that in our text. We, we got to see, hey, that, that our faith is a, is a Trinitarian faith. That, that we read this, that, um, that we read about, uh, there, there's varieties of gifts, but it's the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God our Father, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They, they're, they're distinct, but yet what? They're one and unified, right? And so this is the idea that, that Paul is driving home, that we need to be unified over the gifts of the Holy Spirit because it's the same Spirit. And so um, what, what you'll find is throughout the Bible, Paul, uh, in, in different uh, epistles, that he has other lists of gifts from Almighty God. And, and, and really just to give us like some handles and, and some ways to look at us, I, I want to show us just like uh, three kind of gifts that, that we can see throughout the scriptures. And, uh, and listen, I'm a pastor, so they all start with M, okay? <laughs> but, but the first one is this, is, is um, uh, motivational gifts. Motiv motivational gifts. And I would submit to you, these are gifts from God, your heavenly father. Um, it's the way you're intrinsically wired. It's like if you've had children, you know that there's certain bents and inclinations they just have uh, from birth. And so they're, they're motivated to do stuff. And so these are the motivational gifts. In Romans 12, uh, verses 3 through 8, Paul says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Once again, they were, they were Roman church, they were getting arrogant about their gifts, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the many members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body. See, diverse gifts, one body uh, in Christ and individually members of another. Verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace of God given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so 
you can see like like there's the, like you are born with a bent and a proclivity like have you ever met those people like paul mentions the gift of exhortation they're just constantly encouraging people like like you know that there's going to be an individual there they're just like a, a a human golden retriever right every time they see somebody they're like you're amazing you're great right and, and that's this this inner motivational gift on the inside it says that some of you um are unbelievably generous and, and you love to give and it's like life-giving to you and what it's a motivational gift from God some of you acts of mercy that, that man you just feel compassion and your heart breaks uh, for the poor and for the needy and so God motivated you and wired you that way it's a motivational gift from your father uh, here's another one are the ministry gifts the ministry gifts and, and these are gifts from Jesus right uh, let me read to you, to you in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 8 through uh, 8 through 12 actually it'll be we'll do 8 and 11 and 12 it says this uh, therefore it says when he ascended on high so he being Jesus when he ascended on high he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men verse 11 and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ and so that we see these gifts from Jesus the apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher um, sometimes I've heard it called the the five hold fold ministry the hand of God in fact it was funny I was I just retired from the NHL and um, I actually sat in a class with another pastor and he was teaching about the five-fold ministry gifts from Jesus and uh, and he says this the the first gift is the gift of the Apostle and he's like the thumb and he, he grabs and he, he begins and he steers and then and then there's the pointer finger it's the prophet and he points out a direction and where to go and then he goes and then there's the evangelist and he gives the middle finger <laughs> and he's says the evangelist is here to offend you and I reached over to someone I'm like hey is he allowed to do that <laughs> but but we see the, that these are gifts um, like apostle is a leader a starter right that some of you they have the the bent of, of the prophetic and, and it's it's all given to what to build up and edify the church some of you God has given you the gift of teaching and you're able to take complex ideas from the scriptures and unpack them for other people and and like um, like me like like I'm, I'm a pastor teacher okay and so you might have just a mix of some of these gifts and, and we all have varying degrees uh, of intensity of these gifts but they're ministry gifts given by Jesus what to edify and to build the church and then lastly we have the manifestation gifts the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that's what we're reading about this morning in in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 let me read it to you uh, 1st Corinthians 12 uh, verses 7 through 11 uh, it says this to each is given here it is the manifestation of the Spirit so these are the manifestation gifts for the common good for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills and so did you did you catch that like the Holy Spirit apportions these gifts or manifests these gifts uh, in you as a believer as he wills 
And so I want to encourage you, like, like, while I may not be a prophet, I can prophesy if the Spirit manifests the gift of prophecy uh, on the inside of me. Um, so, so, um, uh, so let's let's believe God that that as we present the Holy Spirit opportunities to manifest His gift through our life, let's 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 pray for people, lay hands on people, let's step out in boldness because the Spirit may manifest through your life and power. Why? Because he wants to glorify the Heavenly Father, and he wants to love people through you. And so let's, let's go through some of these. Like, like number one, we see, see the gift of wisdom. And so the gift of wisdom is this, is that, 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 that you can speak clarity into confusion, right? Or, or maybe uh, another way to look at it is you're able to take like, like knots in people's soul, and God will give you the gift of wisdom, and you'll be able to untangle those knots. Uh, I'll give you an example. We were, um, I was, I was on a conference call with uh, another pastor, Pastor Bruce Ho, and myself, and, and we were on uh, with with a, a member of our church who they were losing their mind, and uh, they were about ready just to go ballistic. It, it felt like a time bomb that was ready to explode in our church, and so I, I'm on the I'm on the three way call, but I'm not even talking, man. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to go so bad. And then I, I watched as Pastor Bruce Ho just wisdom began to pour out of his mouth, and his like he diffused this bomb that was going to explode. Like it was so amazing. I'm texting Bruce uh, while this is going. I'm like, bro, this is brilliant. Where are you getting this from? And he texts back to me, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you where he was getting it. It, w- it was the manifestation of the gift uh, of wisdom, right? Here's another one, uh, the gift of knowledge. This is where, where the Holy Spirit or reveal knowledge, something to you that, that you couldn't uh, uh, know on your own, and yet God will reveal it to you. Jesus walked in this uh, uh, all the time. And so in John chapter 1, you remember this one, that, that Philip, he, he runs and he tells Nathaniel, hey, we, we found the Messiah. Uh, he's from, he's Jesus of Nazareth. And right, and, and Nathaniel's like skeptical. And he's like, hey, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. And then Jesus sees Nathaniel and he says, behold, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Right. And Nathaniel, what does he do? He bows up to Jesus. He's like, he's like, hey, how do you know who I am? And do you remember? Jesus gets the word of knowledge. He says, before you were speaking with Philip, I saw you underneath the fig tree. And it just wrecked Nathaniel's world. The word of knowledge spoken. He he falls down on his face. Well, he says, truly, you are the son of God. (laughs) Right. It's the the gift of the word of knowledge. We see it again in John chapter four as Jesus meets a, a Samaritan woman at a well. And she's just kind kind of like dodging Jesus's questions until finally he says, hey, why don't you go get your husband? And she says, uh, I don't have a husband. And he's like, you're right. Word of knowledge comes. You've had five husbands and the guy you're currently living with is not your husband. <laughs> Blows up her world. And she's like, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Right. And she would become an evangelist because Jesus would reveal himself uh, to her and she would spread the gospel uh, in Samaria. Right. It's the power uh, of the, the, the manifestation of the gift of knowledge. Uh, how about faith? Now, listen, all of us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to fight the good fight of faith. But there's moments where the Holy Spirit will manifest a supernatural gift uh, of faith. Like uh, there's, a, there's a man uh, in the uh, early 1800s, his name was George Mueller. And, and this man, um, he felt commissioned by God to, to uh, start up orphanages throughout England. And he was going to do them all by faith, by faith. 
He wasn't going to raise any money, ask for money. He was going to believe God for every penny to feed these poor orphans. And one morning he gets up, no food in the orphanage. But what? The gift of faith kicks in. And he's like, he's like, children, sit around, go, go sit at the table, get your plates and your utensils out and sit at the table because God's going to provide. Sure enough, knock on the door, knock, knock, knock. It, it's, it's the, the dairy guy, the dairy cart had uh, broken down and all the dairy products were going to go bad. And, and the guy asked George Mueller, uh, would you and the children uh, like these dairy products? <laughs> God provided. It was the gift of faith. Uh, in fact, Pastor Ron Lewis, my, my pastor, I've often seen him move in, in a gift of faith. Pastor Shino Prater, who uh, helped me plant this church here. I remember we were believing God for this the building we're currently in, and I, and I had faith for about a quarter of it. Man, in the gift of faith, come on, Pastor Shino. And he's like, brother, we got to believe for all of it, all of it. And so we we stretch, and I'm, I, listen, my name's on the lease, right? <laughs> so I guess he can have great faith, but uh, I'm the guy whose name's on the lease. But sure enough, God came through, and we are able to purchase just a, a bigger space. And so uh, that's the gift of faith. Uh, here's another one, the gift of healing. And, and obviously this is uh, self-explanatory, but um, like I, I can remember, I believe that God is a God who heals, but, but it's, it's one thing to believe it and it's another to experience it. Like uh, I remember I, I had ruptured my bursa sac in my elbow. And so my elbow was like sticking out to here, no matter what, it, it just wouldn't go away. And, um, and then there was a woman in our church. I was actually talking to somebody else and this woman came over and she put her hand on my elbow and she prayed and it was the most gentle prayer and God healed my elbow. It was healed just like that. And I remember like being so surprised that I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be surprised uh, because I believed in healing, but it's another to experience it. Um, there's a, uh, actually a, 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 a pastor who was, uh, was in our church and he actually went on a missions trip. His name is Josh Goodwin and, and Josh, he went to Honduras and uh, actually there's, there's long lines to just receive prayer uh, of salvation and prayer for healing. And, and Josh, he, he tells the story of, man, this one elderly lady came over and he could, you could visibly see that her eyes were clouded and she was blind. And so she wanted prayer for healing for her eyes. He laid hands on her and he watched the fog disappear. And this woman's eyes were healed. <laughs> like, like he said, he goes, I don't know who is more excited, her or me. Man, just to see the power of God manifesting uh, in his life. And that's the gift of healing. Um, how about this, that, that the gift of miracles. Miracles, and so um, uh, our faith. I uh, mean, we are uh, as Christians, we are a people of miracles. Like the greatest miracle that ever happened is Jesus raising from the dead, and, and we got to experience that. And because of that, you and I are here today. And I love what C.S. Lewis says about the miraculous. Um, that is, I'll just, uh, I'll, I won't speak for him. I'll read it. Uh, Lewis says this. Do not attempt to water down Christianity. He says there must be no pretense that you can have it with the supernatural left out. So far as I can see, Christianity is precisely the one religion from which the miraculous cannot be separated. You must frankly argue for supernaturalism from the very outset. The Christian story is precisely the story of one grand miracle. The Christian assertion being that what is beyond all space and time, what is uncreated, eternal, 
came into nature, into human nature, descended into his own universe, and rose again, bringing nature up with him. It is precisely one great miracle. And if you take away, uh, if you take that away, there is nothing spe- uh, specifically Christian left. Like let's let's believe God and create space for the Holy Spirit to work the miraculous through your life. Do you know uh, uh, Dr. Craig Keener? He did an extensive study, um, uh, and, and it ranged around the globe, all seven continents. And, and here's what they uh, they estimated, uh, that over 200 million um, uh, people on the planet today have personally experienced a miracle. Over 200 million. To give you some context, that's one in every 35 people on our planet say that they've experienced a miracle in their life. Man, let's believe God that the Spirit would dial up the miraculous uh, on our life. Um, and then uh, and then here's another one, the discerning of spirits, the discerning of spirits. That's the, the, the gift from the Spirit to be able to discern and determine if something is, is from the Holy Spirit or perhaps a, an evil spirit. And this is what a valuable gift to have from the Holy Spirit, because, you know, it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that, that, that the angel, mas- or excuse me, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. And so there's going to be times when things appear right and good, and yet they're wicked and evil, and thank God that he can manifest Dial up the gift of discerning of spirits uh, on our life. So uh, my, my wife, Susan, she, she kind of flows in this gift. I've seen it operate in her life. And so it's a valuable lift to help, help uh, gift to help keep the body of Christ saved. And so um, if, if you're following, you're going to notice that uh, I left uh, um, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues out. And I did that on purpose because Paul is going to devote an entire chapter uh, to these gifts. And so so we'll hit that later. And uh, here's what I want to do. Uh, I, I want to challenge you this morning. Wow, the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. Man, let's 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 pray for the sick. Let's believe God for the miraculous. Man, let, let's move and ask the Holy Spirit to speak words of wisdom, words of knowledge. May God give us the gift of faith and, and let's let's desire these gifts and let's celebrate them in one another, right? Um, that, that we're not like the Corinthian church that would dev- divide over them, but yet understand we desperately need, I need the gift that's in you and you need the gift that's within me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time this morning, God. And Lord, I just want to thank you and celebrate the Holy Spirit in our life. God, may your church, your bride, may the Spirit of God just dial up uh, the power, the manifestation gifts on us. And may, may, may we be used mightily, uh, Lord, to help love heal a broken world in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give it a big hearty amen. Amen. Well, listen, this sermon's over with, and but I, I did want to remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. And for those of you that have been giving to every nation in New Jersey, can I just say thank you that God sees that. And God says, I honor those who honor me. And so uh, as a reminder, there's three ways you can give. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. 
Um, or you can give via text. My family and I give this way. If you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. Or you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you're faithful in your giving. Every Nation New Jersey, God loves you. And I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.